Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. It's uh, <laughs> been it's been quite a day. Yeah, um, uh, it's a somber day it's, here. It's something I'm not really looking forward to, but uh, yeah. the time has come. Yeah, so it's a sad day here at Game of Stones headquarters in a very uh, rainy, icy nation's capital here on a Sunday night, and we're here to preview the Canada Cup, which kicks off this week out in beautiful Estevan, Saskatchewan. But first, Scott, we do have to complete our bet with the good guys over at Rocks Across the Pond. They did win the European Championship bet, which means that we had to drink bad beer and we had some debate on Twitter as to what we should buy. So because we're good people, we actually bought multiple terrible beers and we are going to drink them over the course of the next couple of episodes. So to start, the resounding winner of what the worst beer that was available to us here in Ontario was Boxer Beer. It is a premium lager beer, and this is Boxer Ice, Scott. It uh, has brewing excellence since 1845, and it is the choice of champions as well. Yeah, Sean, any beer with ice in the title is going to be terrible. So, I mean, it's appropriate given that we talk about curling and the curling is played on ice and there's ice falling outside. Yes. But I'm uh, not, really, uh, not really excited about this one. It's got a uh, 2.22 out of 5 average review on Untapped, which is the app. Yep. where you can uh, rate your beer. So this and, actually uh, isn't the lowest rated beer that we're going to drink over the next couple episodes. No. Uh, and perhaps unsurprisingly, all the ones that we bought have the word ice in them. So uh, so we have the big ones. These are the full pint, eight fluid ounces, 710 mils. So so yeah, 24 fluid ounces of, yes. uh, of beer in here. It's, so, this is going to be terrible. All right, so let's... Crack them open. Yeah, let's see what we can do. There, there we go. Uh, okay. okay. There we go. All right. Cheers, Scotty. Uh, uh, to the queen, Sean. There you go. To the queen. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> that uh, That's going to be a struggle to finish. You know what, Sean? It's not as bad as I um, might have thought coming out of the, uh, you know, just opening it. It tastes a little bit like a Belgian-style uh, ale. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's not what they were trying to do. Does it say lager? <laughs> it's a lager. It's it's a premium <laughs> lager beer. Uh, um, Oof! Oh boy. Yeah. Well, so, we'll be uh, we'll be crushing these and uh, talking about curling today. Yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, the Canada Cup kicks off this week out in Estevan, as I said, and of course. When you're out in Estevan or anywhere in Saskatchewan, of course, all the shoes are made with uh, Saskatchewan sealskin bindings to attach to your feet. So uh, hopefully yeah. all the players take part in the local custom there. Uh, but this is, Scott, we've talked about this before on the show, that this is the best event in the country, at least, every year. It's It's got the best teams generally leads to the highest quality of play. You know, if you look at Briar's field, Briar Field, Scotty's Fields, there's always a gimme game or two in there sure. for the top teams. Yeah. 
there's nothing in this field that, or nobody in this field that is a gimme game. No, Sean, this is uh, th- this is the best bond spiel uh, in Canada for Canadian teams. Yeah, uh, there. This is all. It's always been the case uh, since it was uh, created, and the, given that um, the winning team, not this year, but the next two years, will get births into the trials direct births into the trials there's a lot of incentive for the best teams uh, to come and play and play well at this event uh the other perk so this year it'll be a birth into the pre-trials automatic yes. birth uh, as well as uh, they get to go to the continental cup uh down yes. in down in las vegas uh, this year yes yeah, so there's two spots left of the continental cup the european <clears throat> squads have been decided yes and i say european because no asian teams are there even though it'll still be team world yeah uh, and the american teams have been picked but there's two spots left and that'll be determined this week yeah so a lot at stake in this uh, sort of event um like you said always all the good teams are there no gimme games uh, it's going to be really, really, really fun to watch. Uh, and plus, what I like about it, it's a full round robin. There's none of this pools. Yep. Uh, you get to play every team. So, yeah, lots at stake and should be good curling. Yeah, and you talk about how important it is. Of course, we've, we've mentioned this in the past, but and we'll have our preview of the World Cup come out. I think we're going to release that Tuesday. But Taylor McDonald was supposed to play with John Morris in the mixed doubles there. She's on Ali Flaxie's team. They qualified for this, and she gave up that spot in the mixed doubles at the World Cup to play in this, which speaks to how important of an event this is. If this was just a normal weekend on a cash spiel, of course you're going to play in the World Cup, but this right. event is too important to break up the team. Yeah, exactly, and so maybe part of the reason we saw uh, Team Gunlickson and Team Flurry go to the World Cup, I know we talked about it already, yeah. but... Uh, I think both of them would have been in the mix for this Canada Cup uh, based on their standings. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not seeing, you know, Brad Gushu and Jennifer Jones going to right. this uh, leg of the World Cup for a reason. And that reason is because of the Canada Cup. Yeah, and again, we've talked about it before, too. The, the, the Americans have set their best teams to Omaha for the World Cup. And again, in part because the Canadians aren't sending their best teams. And, and that's not any throw any shade towards the two teams that are going, but the, the best teams in the country are going to be in Estevan. So let's start going through the fields here. Let's start on the women's side, where there is an extra team here this week. Normally, you would have eight, uh, excuse me, seven teams in this field. This year, you have eight teams on the women's side. That's because there was a tie in the points. So there had to be that eighth team into the draw. Yeah, and it was it was a virtual tie, and it's because of how the points are to divvied up the way that we talked about last week with the uh, you know the order of merit uh, standings and then the strength of field and all that stuff. Uh, if if you're within a thir- certain uh, threshold, uh, it's considered a virtual tie, and so uh, we got an extra team in based on that, which is fine. I'm just a little surprised. I feel like maybe they could have then added another men's team, but just to make it eight and eight, but yeah, but then you get the logistics of the draws and yeah, yeah, all that. And, and having an extra team there means because the, it is just a Wednesday to Sunday event, so it is pretty tight uh, yeah. as it is, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're doing. I haven't looked at the draws well enough here, but let's take a quick gander at what the draw times are going to be if they're just going straight through. With uh, are they putting in an extra sheet here where the women will be playing an extra? 
game or, or there'll be men and women on the ice at the same time it looks like here so uh which is different because normally at this event you would have the men's draw and the women's draw like we saw mm-hmm. uh, actually we didn't see that at the trials last year did we we uh there was some mixed gender draws i think uh if i have that right but, yes yes um so uh but but yeah so the women are playing seven games the men are playing six games here so let's get into it with the teams let's just go in a alphabetical order for lack of a better uh, system here so let's start first team off we'll talk about chelsea Carey's squad out of alberta of course the official team of the game of stones podcast we're still not sure if they know that <laughs> well i i did just tweet at them sean yeah uh, so hopefully you have an answer by the end of the show yeah because uh it, rochelle brown is listed as coming back for this event uh in the media guide and all that uh but we, we know she had a baby very recently, so not sure if the plan is for her to play or not. Uh, if it is, that'd be really great. Yep. Uh, it'd be cool to see the whole team together again, you know, uh, uh, sort of for their first event as a team, right? Because yeah. uh, they, she hasn't played all year. So uh, we're hoping uh, for that, and we're hoping for the best. One thing I noticed looking at these teams, Sean, all the way up and down, uh, only one team that's not from the Prairies, and only one oh. team that's not from Manitoba, or Alberta, and it's uh, Rachel Holman. So wow, uh, we've we've got a real uh, Prairies focused event here, and uh, given that Chelsea Carey has played in that uh, area for a long time, she's obviously all these teams are familiar with each other. Yes, uh, but if they, if this can be their first event together as a team, I think uh, a good goal would be to finish with a five hundred record or better so to finish four and three would be really good i think so too and and we've seen this team if you look at their record for the season haven't been together that much as you say they're only 21 and 16 on the season in their games they have a point differential just over plus one in those games but their hammer efficiency all the way down at uh, 35 Mm percent so not really converting when they have the hammer their steel defense is pretty good their force efficiency is okay but they're not converting when they need to, and that accounts for why they're 21 and 16. And and that's a good record. I would take that for a season at the club level, certainly, but this team has higher goals than just winning, uh, sort of being a 500 team. But hopefully they can get on track. They have a, a tough, uh, an interesting start, if not necessarily a tough start. Their first game is against Darcy Robertson. And we've talked about Darcy Robinson a lot, that she just shows up and makes playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that's what she does. That's a really interesting first game because that could be the, the difference. Whoever wins that game might get that third playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Those two teams seem like, you know, in that three to six range for who will get that third spot. And I think it's going to be a battle all week. You can't really afford maybe to lose that game. Their second game is against Jennifer Jones and then Casey Scheidegger. And that's in the first four draws. That's a pretty tough, uh, tough start. Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a, a tough tough for them to get going. And we've seen them struggle out of the gate at some of the events this season. So I, I'm not overly optimistic about their chances. But if they can win that Darcy Robertson game, that would put them in a good position uh, because by the end of Wednesday, they play 9 o'clock Central Time Wednesday morning, then the afternoon draw Wednesday. They could be 0-2, and for all intents and purposes, out of it by dinner on Wednesday. Yeah, which would be tough uh, tough to deal with. But, you know, uh, like I said, if they can string together a few wins and play play well as a team in their first full event as a team, 
Good on them. Yes. So who's next, Sean? So next up, we have the Kerry Anderson team. This is the team, of course, that started the season by being completely unbeatable. They are 42-12 and 12 on the season, playing a lot of games. Their point differential is outrageous. They're scoring 8.9 points per game, giving up 5.1 points per game. So almost uh, a four-point differential there. But interestingly enough, with that, their hammer efficiency is only 39%, but their force efficiency is all the way up at 67%. So even though they're not converting at the rate that you would want to convert... They, uh, Scott just took a big swig of this boxer beer. Now, you see, you said at the start it wasn't as bad as you thought, but now you're a couple of minutes into it, and it's really hitting you there, eh? Yeah, and once it warms up, oof, yeah, that's going to be it's, tough. it's not good. So, uh, so even though they're not converting with the hammer as much as they would like, their force efficiency is actually quite good, and, and you can make a case that that's why they're winning these games at the clip that they're winning. Now, that being said, they've slowed down a bit uh, in, yeah. in, in recent months, which, in all fairness, nobody could keep up what they were doing. The pace of winning every event, I mean, that's yeah. just impossible. Yeah, you can't do that. So, I mean, they lost the, the tiebreaker to Hasselberg at the Masters, lost the semifinal at the Tour Challenge, and we haven't seen them since then. They haven't played since the Tour Challenge. for so nearly a month off for this squad as they come back from what was a very busy fall for them. Sure, Sean. And I mean, uh, lots of lots of family time then in the in the interim. I'm looking at the media guide here. And uh, Carrie Anderson's husband's name is Kyle. And her daughter's names are... Uh, they both also start with a K. Okay. And uh, <laughs> So it's like an all-K family. Yeah, yeah. Which... You can't throw stones, Scott. We all, we all, well, that's we, it. Yeah. We, we all are S's, yes. which uh, is kind of fun. So I, I was like, oh, all K's. I wonder if that was on purpose. I'm sure it was. So Probably, yes. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's Chloe and Cameron. Okay. With, but uh, with K's. But with K's. So norm- names that could start very easily with C's. Yeah. They went with K's. Yes, this is an intentional yes. move. Just like C- just like Carrie could be a C. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very true. So anyway, so they lots of family time in, yeah. in the downtime. But uh, this team is the highest ranked team in Canada on the year. Uh, yeah, because they won it. They didn't lose until That's October. It. So they're, uh, they're right there ahead of Rachel Holman's team, who is second. Uh, I expect this team to be challenging for a playoff spot. That said, we haven't got to the two big dogs in the in the fight, which is Holman and Jones. Right. Um, but I expect this team, Anderson, to be right in the mix for that playoff spot, if not near the top of the tables by the end of the weekend. Yeah, and we should just say, of course, this is not like a Briar or a Scott. He's only three teams make the playoffs right. here. Whoever finishes in first gets that buy right to the finals, like what we saw with the trials last year. So no exactly. page, anything like that, just a semifinal. And a final, and for Kerry Anderson, they start off, you said, with those big dogs. Their first game is against Rachel Holman hmm. in their first draw. So that's a nice little litmus test off the bat for Kerry Anderson. And is that Wednesday? It's going to be Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon. And that afternoon draw, I don't know anyone from TSN who decides what the TV game is. <clears throat> Wouldn't be surprised to see that as your TV game Wednesday afternoon. Boy, Sean, I feel a little tickle in my throat. I sure hope I'm uh, well enough to uh, <laughs> go to work that yeah. day. And... <laughs> Big day right there. So, uh, uh, so that's Kerry Anderson. So we'll move on. Next team on the docket, we have Ali Flaxy. This is the team that was Kerry Anderson's uh no, excuse me. This was not Carrie Anderson's team. Uh, Ali Flaxy, Michelle Englott's team with Kate Cameron, <laughs> Taylor McDonald, Renora Westcott, 
here. They are 24 and 19 on the season, yet they are over just under a point and a half in the point differential, scoring 8.1 points per game, giving up 6.5 though, so a little high on that. Hammer efficiency at 42% and a force efficiency at 56%. This is a team, I, I think we've said this on the show before, that it really does revolve for me if Ali Flaxy's got her draw weight and if Kate Cameron's playing well. I think Kate Cameron is really, really good. Yeah. And when she is on, she can be the best third in the country. And the struggles that Allie Flaxy's had when she struggled and we've seen her tends to have be with that draw weight. When she yeah. and she can be all over the map. And it's not with her always consistent when she's missing. It's not like she's always heavy or always light. It seems like she can go back and forth and maybe she, she does what club players do and try to overcorrect one way or the other. But if she has that draw weight and Kate Cameron's going well, which I realize is true for every team. Uh, if, you're if, skip, your skip has the draw weight. if your skip has the draw weight and your third is playing well, you're going to win a lot of games. Sure. But certainly with this team, there's not as much room for error as with some of the other squads. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, Renor is a pretty solid lead. Uh, Leslie Wilson took a step back after uh, last season. And so Taylor McDonald has come in. And as we mentioned, uh, she forewent the invitation to the World Cup. So, you know, it's a pretty solid team, but I don't expect them to be at the end of the week there. If no. they are, I think it would be a, a really good surprise for them and and well-earned because they will have had to beat down some teams that are definitely ahead of them in the in the standings. For sure, and they, they kick off with Laura Walker, and that's going to be a fun game because two teams that... Probably not many people are expecting to be there at the end of the week, and one of them is going to get a win right off the bat. <clears throat> exactly. So yeah. if whoever wins that game, if they can build some momentum, you never know what could happen there. So that's a and, team. Uh, yeah, Laura, Laura Walker and Ali Flaxy right beside each other in the world rankings right okay. now. Uh, Seventeen for Walker and eighteen for uh, for Ali Flaxy. So. Uh, you know, not near the top like the some of the other teams we've talked about, but uh, in the mix, and they're playing a lot. And and Flaxy earned their way to this event, you know, yeah, by being the top team that hadn't qualified yet. So, yeah. you know, good on them for that. Yeah, you get out, you play, you get those points, you get into these type of events. And uh, a team that isn't playing a lot, Rachel Homan, yeah, coming into this game, they played thirty five games. They are twenty seven and eight. When's the last time they played? Was it in uh, Truro? Or did they play at the uh, one in Thunder Bay? They The last time they played was at uh, Thunder Bay at the Tour Challenge. Right. So that was course. their last events. Uh, so again, uh, like with Carrie Anderson's team, they've been off for a month. Uh, and before that, they played at the Curlers Corner Autumn Gold Classic in Calgary. So Okay. Um, oh, excuse me. They also played in Truro. Excuse me. Uh, but not a lot of events for this team. Uh, the only non-major event that they've played in was that curling Curlers Corner Autumn Gold Classic. Of course, uh, Rachel Holman played with Mark Kennedy in the mixed double spiel, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Joy Courtney played with her father in that same spiel. So they've been playing around, but certainly not as much as maybe years past, which is kind of smart for this team. They don't need to play at all, and when they do play, they are crushing people, scoring. 
just under eight points a game, giving up 4.4 points per game. They are absolutely wow. crushing people. Their hammer efficiency at 50%, their force efficiency at 49%. Uh, maybe a little low in that force efficiency from what we might expect from this team. But this is the team that's, you know, other than Anna Hasselberg, might be the best in the world. Yeah, Sean. And I, I know last year we talked a lot about them being the best team in the world. And since then, Anna Hasselberg, I believe, and I think you do too, has cemented herself at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this team did not drop very much in letting that happen. It was more that Anna Hasselberg's team got way better yeah. or just started playing better and playing more, yep. winning a lot. Yep. So it's not to say that uh, Rachel Homan's team, oh, they're terrible now because they're not. They're like two or three in the world, I, I would say. Uh, so this team, I expect this team to be there at the end of the week. Uh, if they're not in the playoffs, it would be a disappointment for them, mm-hmm. it would be a disappointment for me because I like uh, watching them play. Yeah. Like uh, cheering for the home club. That's you know? right, yeah. Uh, Ottawa Curling Ottawa Club. Ottawa Curling Club all the way. So, yeah, I, I expect them to be there at the end of the week. Yeah, and actually, interestingly to me, too, and if you look at their draw schedule, we mentioned that game against Anderson where they're starting. Their game against Jennifer Jones is in draw six, and that's going to be Thursday night is the draw there. What they did last year at the trials is set up that Jones homing game for the last draw, in the hopes that that would be the game for first place. And, of course, by that point, Chelsea Carey had clinched it, and that game was meaningless. Yeah. It was basically a game for who would have last rock in the semifinal the next day. So they've put that game to Thursday night, perhaps hoping that it has a little more meaning. A little more cachet. Um, in it. Uh, with that, and they finished with Ali Flaxy in their last game. So maybe an expectation that they would have clinched a spot there if you look at the way Curling Candle likes to yeah. manufacture the draws. And, Sean, I should just say, uh, I'm looking at the year-to-date points right. uh, for yeah. this. I'm not looking at the total rankings, uh, which, I don't know. I don't know how long they are, but uh, long a period they cover. But I'm just looking at this year so far, just to, to gauge sort of how much teams have played and yeah. and where they are. So. Yeah, and they're not playing a lot, but they did win the Tour Challenge, <clears throat> and they did win the first leg of the World Cup. Yeah, and they're only six points behind Anderson for their number of points gained this year. Right, and, and Anderson's played way more. Way more, and they're clear of Jennifer Jones by like 87 points. Right. So with Tiranzoni in between there as well. So, Wait, now Jennifer Jones isn't playing much either. She's, no, you're right. She's only played 40 games this year. It's only five more games right, than but, uh, what Rachel Holman's played. And Rachel Holman had the that first leg of the World Cup. There's more points available there. Right, but that is that is sort of the difference. Like, you know... Uh, that that's a big leap to get yes. to get up to third there. So Rachel Holman's team still one of the tops. Yeah, and now I think we transition. Yeah, so to that gets about us, Jennifer. Jones. Yeah, so that gets us to Jennifer Jones. As I said, forty games there, twenty six and fourteen, scoring six point seven points per game, giving up five point nine, a little high, a little high on the points per game against hammer efficiency of forty one percent, force efficiency at fifty four percent so far on the season. And if you look at this team, you know. Uh, Rachel Holman, of course, went to China. Jennifer Jones went to China as well, won the China Open uh, in that event there, then came back to Truro, struggled in Truro uh, after coming right back. But they also lost in the quarterfinal of the Tour Challenge to Nina Roth in what was a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Haven't played since then, as a lot of these teams have not. 
So they're coming out. First game against Chelsea Carey, then Darcy Robertson. And that Darcy Robertson game is going to be super fun. Uh, the rematch of last year's Manitoba women's final, in which, if you watched that game, and we've talked about it before, that Darcy Robertson should have won mm-hmm. that game. A couple of bad breaks, maybe a bad call or two. But she was in control of that game, certainly, up until the ninth end. And uh, if you look at this team, they, they have to be the co-favorite with Rachel Holman. Yeah, yeah, Sean, 100%. Uh, they're, when they're on, they're on. Jennifer Jones, I think in the last year or two, has shown signs that she can struggle at times. You know, she'll she'll play with her release a bit and start popping things or dumping them a bit. Uh, obviously not that much because they're still a great team. But when, when you see a performance like the one that was there at Truro where she was just a little bit off, yeah. it was enough off that the other teams in the field were able to uh, to able to take them down. Yes. So you worry about a hiccup like that. Estevan's not that far a trip for the rest of the team, but uh, Jennifer, of course, lives in Ontario. Not, I, don't, I still don't think it'll be a problem. No. But, uh, you know, it'll just be... It, it'll be whether Jennifer Jones plays well, dictating whether this team advances to the playoffs or not. I fully expect them to. Yeah, I don't think this field... I, I really don't think that the women's game at the top level, and by the top level, I mean Jones and Holman, I, there is, I think there's still that gap there. That it may be shrinking a little bit, but there is that gap where it's Holman, Jones, and then it's everybody else. Sure. And, you know, some of the teams you talked about, Carrie Anderson is trying to, to cut that down. Uh, Chelsea Carey's trying. I don't think she's there yet. We'll get to Casey Scheidegger, yeah. but th- there is still a gap there between what the, at least the expectation is for Holman and Jones versus what the expectation is going to be for everybody else. No, you're right. You're right. So Holman and Jones, the the clear favorite in that top tier, uh, if we talk about uh, Bill Simmons' uh, tiers of, yes. of teams, right? Yeah. Uh, Jones and Holman at the top, everybody else below. Yeah. With, with uh, the exception of maybe one or two at the bottom, but I think everybody else is pretty close. I think so. Yeah. If you if you run this event without Jones and Holman, I don't. I think there's a couple favorites that emerge, but you could talk me into anybody. Yeah. Making the playoffs yeah. with Holman and Jones there, to me, it's the discussion of who you expect to get that third playoff spot. Exactly. And uh, so yeah, certainly we expect big things from Jennifer Jones, but that does bring us to Darcy Robertson. We've talked about her, and I've said it already. She just shows up and make the playoffs. But despite that, she is 24-18 and 18 on the season, scoring 5.6 points per game, giving up 6.4 points per game. Hammer efficiency really not very good at only 25%, but forcing people at a 54% clip. So very efficient there. Again, if you look at the events that she shows up at, she won the Colonial Square Ladies in Saskatoon early in the year, made the playoffs at the Mother Club events in Winnipeg, at the uh, Canada Inn, or the Canadins, she struggled there, but she made the playoffs at the Masters, made the playoffs at the Tour Challenge right. as well, made the playoffs, she's played, since then, she played in East Paul. Uh, the Sunova Spiel at East St. Paul. Excuse me, East oh. St. Paul. She played there, lost the semifinal at that event. So she just shows up and makes playoffs. Sure. Uh, that's what she does. And their team is really solid. Like you say, we've talked a lot about them in the Manitoba playoffs uh, for the last few years, you know, always being there at the end. Uh, she's 
had a tough tough province to get out of with Jones and Carey and uh, Michelle Englott in the last few years. So you know, it, not easy, but no. she's always there. And yeah, and uh, Carrie Anderson too. Oh yeah, Carrie Anderson. I don't let me forget that. No. Obviously, there's I think four teams from Manitoba in this yeah. event. So like it's it's pretty tough. It's a good event. Yeah. So uh, but but she's up there in the standings, uh, seventh on the the year to date uh, rankings. They're they're a good team, Sean, and they're one of those teams that I know I've said it uh, before about a couple other teams. But if Darcy Robertson is on, she's going to make yeah. the playoffs. She is. She's she's very similar to actually Michelle Inglot in the way she throws, uh, with the uh, sort of ah yeah sort of like, uh, take your hand yeah. off hop and very upright too yeah in the way that she throws. So it, it's nice to have that sort of in our lives. I think uh, <laughs> I always like I loved Michelle Inglot. Loved watching her throw. First time I ever went to a Scotty's, it was Michelle Inglot. It was in Regina, and oh, yes. it was right after her father had passed. Like in the the immediate. Uh, Aftermath there, uh, yeah. That yeah. she was there. I think you know the event started Saturday. I think he died, you know, the earlier that week. Whoa. And she went out to play. It was very emotional, and she got this great support from the crowd. So I've always been partial to Michelle Englott, certainly. And uh, and now Darcy Robertson is taking that mantle, at least for me, a little bit. Uh, so let's move on then to the uh, next squad on the list. It's Casey Scheidegger's team. This team is not playing that much. Only thirty games this season at a seventeen and thirteen clip. For the year, scoring 6.2 points per game, giving up 5.2. So a clear plus one for them on the point differential. Scoring uh, multiples with the hammer at a 43% clip, forcing people at a 50% clip. So pretty good on the force efficiency. You want that hammer efficiency to be, to, to be a little higher there. If you look at their results, they've been up and down this season. Mm-hmm. A semifinal at the Masters did not make the playoffs at the Tour Challenge nor did they make the playoffs at the Red Deer Curling Classic going 0-3 Yeah, and, there. and this is a team that you and I have been really high on Yes, uh, ever since we saw them playing in the uh, trials last year. I think we maybe fell a little bit in love with the uh, personalities. Uh, I don't know if you were there. I went to the patch with mom and dad, and they were doing the, their Q&A with Stu. Yeah, no, I was not there. Oh, uh, and, and they were just uh, great, like very affable giving funny answers being sort of great and you're kind of like oh i really like this team now (laughs) yeah oh i really want them to do well they seem cool and fun and uh yeah the results just haven't really been there this year for them which is a bit unfortunate because i could see them they're they're sort of to me the next team that's going to move up into that tier with with jones and holman if they want it you know and i i think they do I think uh, they're capable. It's just a matter of taking that next step. So yeah, because this team, this is a team too that you know they got into the trials last year without going through the pre-trials, but also not ever winning the province. Right. So it's a team that showed up at the trials that if you only pay attention to the season of champions, you don't really know who they are. Exactly. Uh, and they had a pretty interesting week. Uh, I did get the chance to talk to Casey after one of the games in the the press area there. And you're right. She's very personable, and, and mm-hmm. she's she was very pleasant to to talk with. Even I think she had lost that game, uh, but she was very uh, yeah. very affable for sure. Yeah, and and my job was uh, walking the players out. Yes. and I know we we don't tell anything that happens down there, but they were very friendly. Like they were just they seemed super relaxed. Like they knew that they it, this wasn't their year to go to the Olympics. I think they knew that. Right. 
but by being so relaxed, they were able to win some games and just have fun being there. So, like, you know, in in holding their sign, it was really nice to be able to say, oh, hey, how's it going? And, you know, they were relaxed and and chill about it. So it's a team that I want to root for. Yes. And it's a team that I think can can win it's just a matter of of getting there yeah i i agree uh, for sure that the, there's still there's room for improvement there so they're they're one of my teams that that uh is is in the mix for that third playoff spot i think so too uh so let's move on to the final team in the women's side this is laura walker's team we've talked about her before mm-hmm. surrounding herself with veterans this is a great idea i think for laura walker and her Development and her future as a curler, playing with Kathy Overton Clapham, Lori Olson Johns, and Lainey Peters. That being said, this is not a team that is going to, in all likelihood, compete for a lot of things. They are 14 and 15 on the year. The only team yeah. in the whole field, men's or women's, under 500 mm. for the season. Uh, their point differential, they're scoring 5.7, giving up 6.3 on the season. So their point differential might even give you the indication that they're not as close as a 14 and 15 record would indicate their hammer efficiency is down at 30%, only forcing at 46%. So not really the greatest numbers that we've seen there. That being said, they have made the playoffs at a couple big events. They made the the playoffs at the Elite 10 there, the first Grand Slam of the season. They had a tiebreaker at the Masters and made the quarterfinals at the Tour Challenge. So yeah, they, the the big events they've showed up and and qualified for. Yeah, and it it could have to do with the pools, you know the the way the pool system works. And okay, I get to three three and two or yeah. or two and two in the pool. And okay, well, so you're two and two. You're in the playoffs go. or the tiebreaker. You lose the tiebreaker. So you're two and three for the week. But right. you had an okay week. But you had an okay week. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, I think this team. They they did show me something at the tour challenge, uh, getting into that uh, quarterfinal, and uh, I would I don't expect them to be in the playoffs here, but you know it's nice to see some uh, familiar faces. Yeah, we mentioned before she starts with Allie Flaxy in draw one right off the bat Wednesday morning, so that'll be a fun game, and one of these teams is going to be one and zero, and if they can get their footing, and actually she plays Casey Scheidegger that afternoon, so uh-huh. if she can get those two games. And be two and zero. She plays Rachel Holman in her third game, but it goes her draw. I think is actually very fortuitous for uh, Laura Walker. She goes Flaxy, Scheidegger, Holman, Robertson, Anderson, Carey, Jones. There is a scenario mm-hmm. in which she is four and one playing Chelsea Carey. So are we doing a Mike and the Mad Dog? Right. Dog, dog. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> let's talk through all these, uh, all the. the <laughs> so so, draw one. <laughs> Ali Flaxy, 9 a.m. All right, I don't like this. Okay, yeah. So, uh, uh, so no, but there is a scenario in which she is 4-1, where she beats Ali Flaxy, Casey Scheidegger, Darcy Robertson, Carrie Anderson. She just sort of gets on this roll yeah. and goes into that game against Chelsea Carey in very good position for the playoffs. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what sort of start they get off to here. With uh, everybody drink, with the interesting to see. <laughs> and uh-huh. we have beers now to drink. Yeah, so uh, so there you go. So that's the women's field. So should we? Let's do our picks right now. Yeah, let's do our picks on the women's side. So we're going to change it up a little bit from what we normally do for this because there's only three playoff spots. Right. So we'll just pick three teams. 
Yeah, and, and, we'll, and we'll the pick winner. a winner yes. amongst those three. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go first on this one, Scotty. I'm going to go with, uh, of course, Rachel Holman and Jennifer Jones. Yes. Uh, I think uh, they're cut above. Look, you even put it down without me saying it, didn't you? No, uh, well, I'm waiting to see who the winner is. Then. Oh, I'm okay. Put in the winner spot. And then I think for me, I'm going to go with my third team. It's, it's a tough one here, but I'm going to go with Team Anderson. I'm just going to say that the results are are so good so far this season that they'll it's hard to say that they've been in a swoon they haven't one they haven't played in a month but two their swoon has been like semi-final losses yeah so let's go with them and they're geared they're going to be geared up for this event this is the type of event for for which this team was created that being said i am going to pick the holman squad here uh, until until I see otherwise, I, I just it's hard for me to say no at big events yeah. to them. I know the Olympics find that happen, but when they want to, it's almost like they can win whenever they want to, yeah. and where, whenever they're interested and challenged. You know, when they show up to a, <clears throat> excuse me to an event and they don't feel challenged, maybe that that's when they sort of let the the, the foot off the gas. But yeah. uh, at yeah. this sort of thing, they tend to show up. So I'm going to go with Rachel Holman. Yeah, Sean, I can't disagree with anything you say. I, I want the, the home and rink to do well, so I'm going to pick them to win as well. I'm going to take Jennifer Jones to make the playoffs, uh, just like you did. Yes. But uh, give me uh, give me Casey Scheidegger okay. getting into that uh, third spot. I uh, I really like the team. I, I just talked about it. So yeah. give me give me uh, Casey and the, right. and the team. All right, so the, so there you go. Uh, so let's move on to the men's side and talk about these seven teams who are playing in this event. A little more regional diversity here. Brad Gushu certainly helps that. Yeah, Brad Gushu helps. Uh, John Brad Epping. Jacobs, John Epping. So. Yeah, so a little more representation here. That being said, uh, still certainly a, a strong foothold in the prairies here with the Dunstone team, Carruthers, Cooey, uh, as well, Brandon Botcher. Uh, and let's start there. If we go chrono, or if we not chronologically, if we go uh, alphabetically, again, let's start with Brandon Botcher. This team, twenty nine and seven on the season, they are scoring nine point seven five points per game while only giving up five point three four. Their hammer efficiency, Scott, sixty six percent. Yeah, so far, Sean, they're so this season. good. This this team is crushing it. They're playing really well. They yeah. they lost the finals of the. Uh, the infamous Spiel and Red Deer. Yes. But uh, they're so good. They're yeah. so good. And it's hard for me to pick against them when it comes to uh, playoff time. Yeah, They've made the playoffs in every event in which they have entered this season. Right. They've not shown up to something. And not made, and the, not made the playoffs. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah. For, now, they've only played 36 games, which relative to some other teams is a little low. But that is a very impressive uh, resume that they're coming in with and looking at their schedule they start with John Epping and then Reed Carruthers before they get to Brad Gushu mm-hmm. so if you look at that Gushu Botcher game as a marquee game that could determine first place in that bye to the final when you look at it yeah. he, at least for Brandon Botcher it's not a situation where he's still going to be learning the ice that he should have a yeah. handle on what's going on yeah. and how it's reacting at that point. So it's the third game. And you look at it, just 
this yeah this is just a really good team it's a really good team sean and uh i'd be surprised if they weren't there at the end of the week so yeah uh nothing more to say on my my end all right now there's a lot to say about this next team though it's uh team reed carruthers this team is 23 and 14 on the season scoring 5.39 points per game giving up 5.21 points per game so yeah. it, the record would indicate that they're they're winning some close games there their pythagorean record is uh not yes. what it what it is showing on the scoreboard exactly so. now the big news of course here for team Carruthers is we have a lineup change mike McEwen is going to not only throw the fourth stone he is going to call the game yeah so i wouldn't really call it that much of a lineup change it's a pretty big change though. other other than reed is going to sweep which we haven't seen in a long time uh in a few years yeah but of course he's like won the world championship as a second i think he'll be fine uh i would where, say jeff stout had a lot to do with that well whereas we haven't seen we hadn't seen mike McEwen ever sweep no so no but if we want to be completely uh, subjective and judge people on their physical appearance, it, it would have, you would say that Mike McEwen is better suited to sweep than Reed Carruthers. Oh, you, you might say that, but uh, I mean the proof has been there for Reed Reed Carruthers as a sweeper. So okay, uh, okay, no, okay, but this switch is not being made because of sweeping. <laughs> They don't feel no. as though they've lost too many rocks on Colin Hodgins and Derek Zamalski stones that they have to make the switch. That's no. not why this is happening. Of course not, Sean. And so what what's happening is that uh, they're they they were just taking too much time, right? They were always down to the end with the uh, the clocks. We saw at the Elite Ten uh, them coming close to running out of time per end yep. uh, a couple times. So yep. yeah, with uh, too many cooks in the kitchen is sort of the the saying that comes to mind with this team. So hopefully this sort of solidifies things as it being Mike's team. Well, they're taking it event by event, they said. So the story that came out about this, Reed Carruthers is quoted as saying, we're taking this an event by event. We'll see what happens. We'll reevaluate. I love that whoever was doing the interview questioned whether or not they would change the name to Team McEwen. Yes. And Reed said that it was a little premature to make that decision, uh, (laughs) which made me so happy. Just the sort of the, the, the... just the whole idea of whose name is on the team. Yeah, because it because it matters for social media handles. It matters for sponsorships, uh, all sorts of things. Yes. So keep it as Team Carruthers for this year. And uh, although you make a case that it makes more sense to be Team McEwen because of the name recognition. Yeah, a little more success. Yeah, but Princess Auto has been sponsoring Team Carruthers for so for, long. Yes, that's true. They've made those funny uh, TV ads. So I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and they're very effective because, spoiler alert, Scott, your stocking may be stuffed with Princess Auto material. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes. I'm so looking forward to it. So, uh, well, but in terms of on the ice, Sean, how do you think this change uh, affects the team? Do you, do you think it gives them a better chance, worse chance? I think it gives them a better chance. I think it's yeah. hard to go from calling the game, throwing last, seeing the line on every shot, to going being in that pseudo third position right. you don't get to see the line as much you're not as into the strategy at that far end and then to ask somebody to throw last that's really hard to do sure and yeah. mike clearly didn't acclimatize to that very quickly or very well and which is why they've made this change mm-hmm. so i think this will help mike's game and if reed as you said he has experience as a second he's more acclimatized to that sweeping throwing at the same time it just makes a lot more sense to me i think this will improve the team i think it will lead to better results and 
I think getting Reed out of the house will speed them up. Yes, as I, well. I agree with that. I think uh, they they just need something to keep them on track. You and I we played last week against a crazy uh, slow team, painfully slow team, and. and Oh my god, it was it was so annoying. It was it's the most annoying. And then I pl- I played on Friday and I spared and I was easily the fastest player on the ice. Like I was basically like pushing out as the guy put the yeah. the broom down because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, uh yeah, I I think speeding up the game will will really help this team. Do I expect them to be there at the end of the week? You know, they they're in contention. They're in contention yeah. for that last spot. And uh as with their first event in this configuration, it's tough to pick them it to is. win, but uh, you know I'll be happy to uh, to see them do well. Yeah, and I think they'll need something to go right. Not to say that this team would break up after a season because I don't think they would. It's way too soon. Yeah, in a cycle, but they need something to go right for them in a big way. I think. Yeah, and we've seen Mike McEwen, Mike McEwen being a, a serial monogamist, staying with that uh, team of his yes, for very long for time. so long that uh, yes. imagining him just breaking up uh, away from the team <laughs> just seems a little a little premature. Very very much so. So uh, so let's move on then to Matt Dunstone's team. They of course qualified through points. They are playing a whole ton of games. They've played 48 games. So far this season, 36 and 12, scoring nine points a game, giving up 5.6 points per game. Hammer efficiency at 48%. They have had a very, very good season, but Curling Canada not doing Team Dunstone any favor, Scott. Their first two games, Gushu and Kui. Whoa, boy. So welcome to the Canada Cup, fellas. Yeah, and and. You know, if they can manage to sneak out one win out of those two games, you know, early in the week, trying to figure out the ice and all that, they, that might be a favor to them. Yes, you could make a case that, yes, playing Brad Gushu and, and Kevin Cooey in those first two draws yeah. is the best time to get them yep. before they get into a flow and get comfortable. And uh, they'll be the hometown team Yes, at this event, being the only Saskatchewan team yep. playing in Estevan. Of course, Estevan is like two hours from Regina, Something like two that, and a yeah. half. Uh, Estevan's airport code, by the way, uh, YQV. Uh, it's one of the ones I always remember from uh, from my course there, learning <laughs> about uh, learning about airport codes. But uh, a, a nice little town on the Manitoba border. Anyway, um, <laughs> just got to throw in throw in some facts. How much of that beer have you had? Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm more than halfway done, Sean. <laughs> um, well, you you keep talking a lot, so it's it's good. Uh, I don't know about this team uh, winning this event. Obviously, uh, they're not a favorite. Uh, can they make the playoffs? Probably. Uh, I really like Braden Muscawi as a third. Uh, I think their team is talented, but this will be sort of a, a stepping stone for them. Yeah, it's it's fun to see Dunstone and Botcher develop in this way. They, they seem they've taken different paths certainly, but yeah. they're they're sort of contemporaries in. You know, junior champions coming together, trying to learn the men's game. And Botcher's had a little more success to this point than Matt Dunstone has. Of course, Dunstone was playing with Steve Laycock for a few years. But I I would not be surprised, Scott, if after the next Olympic cycle, so when we're talking in 2023, that we get to the point where it's a Botcher-Dunstone and we're making comparisons to... Glenn Howard 
and Kevin Martin that yeah. they would just show up to Briars and it would automatically be the final. Mm-hmm. So the more they play in these things, Brandon Muscari is very outspoken. We talked about the John Collin on Twitter talking about if there should be a tier two. Sure. Brandon Muscari is very outspoken as we just go play. Yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, the media thing. All four members of this team are listed on their marital status as single. Ah. Which, you know, means they can they can just go play. And that's what they have to focus right. on. So uh yeah, I, I totally agree with you. In you know, three, four years this this team is going to be really good if they stay together. Absolutely. So be uh, maybe a struggle for them, but the more they play in these things, the better they're going to get. Speaking of which, we get to John Epping and his squad. Certainly an up and down season for them so far. You know, they won the Masters. They didn't make the playoffs in the Tour Championships. They're 31 and 15 on the season, scoring four point. Excuse me, 7.4 points per game, giving up 4.9 points a game. The hammer efficiency at 42 percent. And coming into the event here in Estevan, just still don't know what quite what to expect out of John Epping on a given week. No, you don't. And I think a lot of a lot of his team's success comes from Matt Cam. Uh, yes. If Matt Cam is on, their team is great. Uh, if Matt Cam gives John Epping shots to make, John Epping will make those shots. More often than More not. More often than not, for sure, for sure. And so I think the only question really, Sean, about this team is how is Craig Savile going to perform as a new 40-year-old? Yeah, I uh, turned 40 recently. He's and, a man uh, now. He's, he's a man. Yeah. He's a man. He's 40. Yeah. And uh, Brent Lang turns 40 on the 10th, on the Monday after, after the event. Okay. So, you know, it'll be uh, his last event as a, a 30-something. Yeah, as a pre-man. <laughs> pre-man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that's the real question. But this team is obviously a really good team. Uh, the, they're... In my mind, one of the favorites for the playoffs. Uh, they've shown what they can do. It's just a matter of whether they put it all together this week or not. Yeah, and the limited sample size that we've seen, Lang and Savile have been really good for John. Really good. Really in good. strategy, calming him down uh, in the yeah. hack. And, and just they, they just have this way about them. Yeah, and watching them play together again has been really great. Like, yeah. Like, you forget how good they were together. And they've got this sort of the way they talk to each other. Uh, they they sort of have their own conversation yeah. while John is getting ready to throw the shot. Like, okay, uh, you do this. You yep. tell me what's up. Uh, this path a little bit uh, frosty or something. Yep. So, it's a real pleasure to watch them play. And absolutely, I, I'm hoping to be able to watch them next weekend, Hopefully. next Sunday. Yes. So uh, we'll move on. The next team here, uh, Brad Gushu. Not really much to say about this team. Not playing that much. They are 24 and seven on the season, scoring 7.8 points a game, giving up 4.7 points per game. They won the Elite Ten, of course. Hammer efficiency, Scott. Get this, 59% hammer efficiency, which is extraordinarily good. Uh, not as good as Brendan Botcher, 66%, but extraordinarily good. Arguably the best team in the world. Yeah, really not much else to say. Not much else to say. They're one of the best teams in the world, if not the best. And uh, if they're not in the playoffs, I would be shocked. Yes, and and Curling Canada did set it up that Brad Gushu and Kevin Cooey are playing the last game okay. uh, against each other in that final draw, and perhaps that's your game for the bye to the final. Yeah, no. Just gonna uh, throw that out there. Could be. <laughs> um, could be. So let's move on uh, to a team that there is stuff to say about. Brad Jacobs 
and his squad out of Sault Ste. Marie. The record for this team doesn't really matter that much. They're 20 and 10. They're scoring 6.7 points a game, giving up just over five. Hammer efficiency of 51%. The big news here, though, of course, as we talked about last week, is that Mark Kennedy is stepping in for the Canada Cup. And just the question of what that means. Yeah, Sean, uh, this this is going to be the, the question for this team is if Mark Kennedy gels with the team, I think they have an excellent chance to make the playoffs. If not, then they could easily go 0 for or maybe even one or two wins. Yeah. You know, it, it all comes down to how that comes together. Now, I have a question for you. How old do you think Mark Kennedy is? I think Mark Kennedy is 36 years old. Wow, you're you're right. He's 36. <laughs> I I would have thought he would be older because he's it just seems like he's been around forever. Right. Right? I watched uh, I actually watched the 2009 men's a world final where yeah. Kevin Martin threw away threw that. Through, yeah. Uh, that was Famously, really controversial. Yeah. I watched that the other day and they looked so young, him and uh, Hebert. Right. Uh, I was like, whoa, they look like. It was like- nine and a half years ago. Well, sure. Yeah. But I, 36. I'm 36. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I still think he's only, well, he's definitely more accomplished than me. Well, easily. Uh, but. He's uh, an Olympic and, world, Olympic and world champion. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, he's only 36. Anyway, uh, yeah, it'll be good to see him back on the ice absolutely but how he meshes with this team is going to dictate their fate in the event right now of course i can't claim to know mark kennedy at all but i have interviewed him a few times at events and in the limited interactions i've had with him and not just on the record you know you get those sort of brief off the record moments with the players as well yeah i have a hard time believing that he would have a difficult time meshing with anybody. Right, he's pretty... He's extraordinarily personable. Yeah. Very friendly. Um, you know, looks you in the eye, uh, which a lot of players don't mm. do. And and sort of those little things. Now, that's because he's gotten a lot of media training because they have been so successful. Right. But just in my interactions with him, he's been extraordinarily positive. I'd have a hard time believing he wouldn't mesh well with this team. In so, like so much so that, you know... And again, we, we don't need to rehash everything with Ryan Fry, but there was a lot of negative energy around this team that mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. Mark Kennedy is the exact opposite of that. And I'll be curious to see how Brad Jacobs, if there's a noticeable difference hmm. in his body language, the way he's talking out there on the ice. Yeah. I hope that they are the TV game multiple times Early in the week. So you get to hear yeah. some of that interaction. I, I agree because you do sometimes hear Brad Jacobs saying like, God, come on, Fry. Yeah. Or come on, EJ, or, or something like that. Yeah. And They're the most religious team out there because they say Jesus a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I won't touch that. But uh, yeah, you're right. They're, that Mark Kennedy is very positive and... If that can rub off on the rest of the team, they might also be looking to prove something, you know, after yeah. these events transpired and, and they had to react to it. And they might be saying, like, listen, we need to put ourselves in a positive light. Let's just go do it. And right. it, they're capable. Absolutely. So they're Olympic champions. All four people who are going to be playing this week have, have won, won Olympic, Olympic gold medals. Yeah. There's, there's really no 
there's no weak link here. No, no, they're no. very, very good, but they just never played together. Yeah, and so I, for me, it's not so much a question of will they gel together because I think they will. I think Mark Kennedy is that type of person. The the concern is can Brad put the broom in the right place, especially early in the week yeah. for Mark as a lefty player who he's never played with. There's not a lefty on this team. Yep. So, you know, the way you throw your intern out turn as a lefty versus a righty is a little different. Is Brad going to be able to pick up on that quick enough? And at the same time, it or is Mark going to be able to say, hey, I need a little more or a little less on mine? Yeah, and, is he going to feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, will that communication be there? And, and that, to me, is the big issue for this team. They jump out of the gate against Kevin Cooey, which will be actually fun. I, I don't know if... Mark Kennedy has ever played against Ben Hebert. Uh, oh. Right, so this could be the first time that's ever happened. Oh, that'll be um, super fun. Yeah. yeah. So so the handshake of that game will be uh, at the end, see what happens uh, between those two guys. Yeah, maybe um, just in a mixed doubles or something, but yeah, uh, yeah no, it'll be really fun. Yeah, so a, a lot to see how they do. I, this team, honestly, Scott, this team for me... <clears throat> Is a total wild card. If if on Saturday I look up and they've gone six and zero, I don't think I'd be stunned. But also, if I look up on Saturday and they go zero and six, I would be similarly not stunned. It's you're right. It, it could go anyway. Yeah, Je- Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. All right. So finally, uh, is Kevin Cooey another team not playing that much this season? Twenty five and nine. On the year, scoring 7.8 points a game, only giving up 4.7. They're a plus 3.1 point differential. Hammer efficiency of 55% on the season. They have gelled quite nicely. World Cup champions in the first leg. Mm-hmm. Again, not really much to say about these guys other than they're really, really good. They're really good, yeah. I think we all wondered how the team would come together. Uh, but it's been great. I think BJ has been a good compliment to, to Kevin with similar personalities, but uh, they've worked well together. Uh, Colton is a little more fiery there at second, but uh, he's making shots. He's sweeping hard and, and doing his job. And Ben Hebert is, you know, Ben Hebert. So, yep. uh, yeah, this team is really good, and they got to be one of those uh, one of those playoff teams. Yep, Benny's going to Benny, <laughs> as yeah. we say. You know it. Um, so, all right, so let's do our picks here. Uh, I have just written mine down. Sean has written his picks down. Okay, I will uh, type them into the spreadsheet. So for the playoffs, I'm going to go pretty chalky here with Kevin Cooey, Brad Gushu, and Brandon Botcher making the playoffs here. But where I'm not going to go chalky, Scott... You're picking Botcher. I'm going to say Brandon Botcher. He is, to me, due for a big breakout win. This is where he's going to get it in Estevan. That's my pick. Wow, uh, I, you know, Sean, I, I can't really disagree with you. I was leaning towards Botcher myself. That's why I wrote it down, <laughs> so that I wouldn't be accused of piggybacking off of your pick. Yes, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, so, but based because you did, and we both picked Homan in the women's side, I'm not going to pick Botcher uh, to win. I'm going to take uh, Brad Gushu. Their their team is. You know, we talked about them being one of the best in the world. So I'm going to pick Brad Gushu to win, and I'm going to, but I'm going to pick Botcher to make the playoffs, and I'm going to pick John Epping to make the playoffs. I'm going to leave Kevin Cooey out of it, and I know I just said I can't believe that they won't make the playoffs, but that's what I'm going to pick. Okay, there you go. 
Uh, going a little off the board there. Taking a chance. I like it, Scotty. Well, Sean, you don't uh, you don't hit home runs by looking at uh, pitches fly by you. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I've had too much boxer all. So there, beer. Too much boxer beer. I have about uh, probably two more uh, mouthfuls left here at this boxer beer, and it will mercifully, mercifully be done. So there you go. So that's our preview of the Canada Cup of curling. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. It's uh, first chance this season to see the TSN crew. Vic is going to be out there. Um, I don't know if Mudrick will be out there. I don't know if this made the curling rounds this week. Uh, it did make the hockey Twitter rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Mudrick's brother, unfortunately, passed away uh, this week uh, from cancer. Of course, Brian himself is a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so our, our condolences, of course, to the Mudrick family. Not sure if Brian will be there to call those morning draws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be our first chance to see the the team of Vic with uh, Russ and Cheryl. Yeah, Sean. Can't wait. Can't wait for that season of champions to, to get started. Yeah, so enjoy this event, everybody. We will be back on Tuesday morning, Monday night, uh, with our World Cup preview. And the plan right now... I think we can announce this, Scotty, is to do live, not live, daily, live to us, daily updates for this week, given that there is the World Cup and the Canada Cup going on. So at the end of each day, we will do a show, just a quick 10, 15 minute show to break down what's going on at both of these events. And then on Sunday, we'll do a big episode after both the Canada Cup and the World Cup are done, wrapping up a huge week in the world of curling. Yeah, Sean, it's going to be really fun. Uh, I've got to cancel every plans that I've have for the end of the week, uh, but I'm excited about it. I'm ready to talk. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back all week here and enjoy the curling. We'll be back with you. Like I say, check your feeds Tuesday morning, certainly. We might try and post it late Monday night, but it'll definitely be available Tuesday morning for our World Cup episode. But until then, we're going to try and choke down the rest of this boxer beer. We'll have another beer ready for the next episode, right, Yes, we will. Uh, Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to have to brush my teeth and eat something in the interim. Uh, But until we talk to you again, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...